Well, you definitely, um, everybody gets a little extra kudos today. Eight o'clock service on Time Change Sunday. Give yourself a hand. I'm, yes, that's awesome. Good for you. Thank you for being here today. And, um, you know, not making me get up and speak to four different people because that would have been a little awkward today. But uh, we're excited about what God's doing. We're excited to be here, uh, even if that means, uh, you know, getting up just a little bit extra early today. We get to continue on in our series uh, called Hope in the Dark. And this series reminds us, you know, sometimes things happen in life that are painful. Um, anybody been reminded of that recently, that sometimes things happen in life that are painful? Uh, I think that's where we live, and, uh, you know, hopefully it's not all the time, but it's a reality of life. Uh, we go through difficulties, we go through struggles, and, uh, you know, that's, that's just part of it. We've been reminded of that, a lot of you guys know, and I want to uh, tell you thank you for your prayers for our family this week. We spent a few days in the hospital with Autumn trying to you know, get some of the pain under control. As uh, most of you probably know, she's uh, undergoing treatment for cancer and uh, she was struggling a little bit this week. And so uh, she's doing better. Uh, and I, I mentioned that for two reasons. The first one is just simply to say thank you for your concern and for your prayers uh, for her. And then also um, to, to say this, that whenever you're going through something tough, um, you know, sometimes it helps to know. When somebody's given a message on finding hope in the dark, to know, okay, does this, does this person really understand what it's like, or are they just speaking more from an intellectual standpoint? And certainly, uh, you know, that's where we find ourselves at, at, at a lot of, uh, on a lot of occasions these days, but at the same time, we find a lot of hope. And uh, we find that God is faithful and God is good, even in the midst of those struggles. So we're going to continue on with that today and uh, continue on with our, with our series. Last week, we started... In the book of Lamentations, and I mentioned to you last Sunday, if you were here, you know, what an overlooked book that is. Never really preached from the book of Lamentations before, and yet it is such a gift to us. Um, God has given us this book that is dedicated to helping us understand how to find hope in the dark. Help us understand uh, how we respond when we go through trials. In fact, it's really not the only book. There's also the book of Job, which is a little bit coming from a little bit different perspective, and we'll compare those a little bit more next Sunday. Uh, but it's an important topic. Either you find yourself there right now where you're being faced with challenges, or you will at some point in the future and probably not too distant future. So all of us have to deal with pain and loss. It's just, it's just part of it. So today I want to talk about two things that will help us that come out of this uh, book of Lamentations, and in particular, this, the, the, some of the passages that we are going to look at today. And it's two words. Uh, it's the words tears and talk. Tears and talk. Uh, and let's start with the first one. Lamentations is a book soaked in tears. Jeremiah, who wrote this book, is often referred to as the weeping prophet. Now, to be quite honest, that makes some of us very uncomfortable. Some of us don't like to... Um, think about, you know, that emotional type side of things, and, and we'll dive into that a little bit more here, uh, and, and I get that and understand that, but at the same time, I think we need to be reminded that, in, in particular, most of the people that feel most uncomfortable, when we start talking about things like this, I'm just going to stereotype a little bit, but I think you'll agree with me, guys, we tend to be uh, a little bit more, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more difficult sometimes for us to deal with the side of, you know, you know, real men don't cry or show emotion and those kinds of things. And so it's really not true because what you see with uh, some of the godliest and manliest 
men in the Bible is that that's not true of them. I and mean, Jeremiah is not a wimp, guys. If you read through the book of Jeremiah and you see the things that he went through, you know, he's wearing chains, he's wearing uh, yokes around his neck to symbolize the uh, oppression that, the, that his people are going to come under. He at one point was thrown into a well and he was, the, the idea was to leave him there to starve to death. And he was rescued out of that. But, I mean, this, this is a guy, this is not just a soft, kind of a sissy type of a, of a guy here that we're talking about in Jeremiah. He's a tough guy. And yet just continued to, to just, you know, pour out his tears before God. The same thing is true of King David. You know, you read the Psalms and you see the same thing, right? And David, we know David was a fierce warrior. In fact, they sing about him, you know, Saul's killed his thousands, David has killed his tens of thousands. And yet this fierce warrior David also had that tender side before God as well. And we'll even get to it in a little bit uh, and talk about how we see that in Jesus as well. But let's just jump in uh, to start with in verse 16. And we're going to um, jump around to just a few different verses today but in, in Lamentations. But I want to start with verse 16. It says, This is why I weep. And my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me, no one to restore my spirit. My children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. He, he tells why uh, he, is, he is, you know, his eyes are filled with tears. But, but let's just start with understanding what he's talking about here. Uh, when it says that my eyes overflow with tears, this is not just a, you know, kind of a, you get a little glisten in your eye, you know, you kind of, some people would, would blame that on my allergies are acting up. If you ever do that, you know, somebody doesn't want to admit that they're kind of getting emotions like my allergies or, or I have uh, one friend here at the church who's, you know, big manly guy and his favorite phrase is my eyes were sweating, you know, so that we can come up with different, different terms. That's not what this is. This is what you might call an ugly cry, right? This is just, just, just let it out. I mean, my eyes are overflowing. Not that they're just a little bit, but I mean, he is just absolutely brokenhearted before the Lord. Why? Well, we see in this, in this passage, he gives the reason for that. It says, no one is near to comfort me. No one to restore my spirit. He, loneliness. He's feeling isolated. He's feeling abandoned. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you are there right now. It says in the, the, the latter part of that verse, my children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. One of the things we talked about last week, part of the context of understanding what's going on here, when the city was overtaken by the Babylonians, the, they cut off their food supply. And so the people are starving. Their children are starving. Some of the children are starving to death. Other children are being carried off to distant lands. I mean, horrible, awful things are happening to children. And those of you who are parents know there's no pain like watching your child in pain when you can't do anything about it. That is a difficult, difficult place to be. And it doesn't just have to be a child. It could be somebody else or a loved one and somebody that you care about. And it's like, I just want to fix the problem. I just want to help relieve this pain and I can't. That can be a helpless feeling. That's, that's why these tears are just flowing. From Jeremiah because he, he sees all of this going on. It's difficult. This is not the only place in the book of Jeremiah. It's not just chapter 1 that you see the tears flowing. Let me read you a couple of passages from the next couple of chapters. Lamentations 
2 verse 11 says, My eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed, because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. There you see that same theme again, right? Lamentations chapter 3 verses 48 through 50 says, Streams of tears flow from my eyes. Because my people are destroyed, my eyes will flow unceasingly without relief until the Lord looks down from heaven and sees. And th- th- this is a, a response to um, what the, the people of God are enduring. And Jeremiah, as the representative of God, is, is verbalizing this on behalf of the people. He is certainly expressing his own burden, but he's really doing more than that. He's also expressing the burden that his people are experiencing. And I believe that his tears are more than just a reaction or a response to the tragedy that they experience. I believe that they are also inspired by God to show that this is a necessary way to respond when we are enduring really difficult things. So with that in mind, here's the first main idea today, and that is to let the tears flow. Let the tears flow when they need to. Well, we see that throughout Scripture. Tears are, are a release valve. You know, if, if you stuff things in for too long, it's going to create problems. And God has given us a release. And one of those forms to release is through tears. I like what Pastor Colin Smith said. He said, tears are the shuddering of the body at the pain of the soul. It's, it's just a way to kind of get things out and to, to uh, express how we're feeling. Now, back in verse 16, we see that. You know, we see that he is, is uh, just you know, weeping. And it says, eyes overflowing with tears. And we talked about some of the reasons why. And there could be other things that we go through. And just there's deep levels of pain that cause this type of a response. But here's what I want us to, 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 to realize or to be reminded of today, and that is that tears are not a sign of weakness. Okay? And let me say that again because I think it's important for us to understand that tears are not a sign of weakness. We see that and we think that way, especially most men in our culture are, are geared to think that way, but Jesus himself didn't hold back the tears. In fact, one of the favorite memory verses, any of you memorized verses as a child, and your favorite memory verse was John eleven thirty five. Anybody going to confess that? You know what John eleven thirty five says? Jesus wept. It's got two words in it. So people love that memory verse. It's like, I only have to remember two words, and I can say I learned a new verse today. Jesus wept. And we, we throw that verse out probably more because it's the easiest, shortest verse we can think of. But guys, that's a powerful verse. But let me refresh your, your mind of the context of that if you don't remember. Jesus had a very close friend, in fact, a close family. He was friends with Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. Lazarus died. And Jesus didn't show up for another few days. And when he did show up, Martha came to him and she had this conversation with Jesus about, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And, you know, she's brokenhearted and almost, you almost gather this little bit of maybe just a little bit angry with Jesus. What took you so long to get here? You know, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus gives her this whole 
uh, encouraging response about, you know, he who believes in me will, will never die, and I'm the resurrection and the life, and do you believe this? And yes, I believe my brother will rise again at the last day, and that's his response is, I am the resurrection and the life. So they have this conversation, and then he goes and he, and he meets Mary. And Mary is just, you know, grief-stricken, and, and it says uh, in verse 34 that when Jesus was approaching and, and he saw Mary's grief and he saw the other people around them grieving, it says that Jesus wept. Now the question is, why did Jesus weep in this situation? He wasn't weeping because Lazarus was dead. I mean, guys, Jesus knew he was just only moments away from resurrection. He knew what he was about to do. He knew that Lazarus was about to, he was going to perform this incredible miracle and he was going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. So he wasn't weeping because Lazarus was gone. The only explanation is Jesus wept because he entered into the grief of those that were around him. He saw the people that he loved and people that he cared about and others, extended family and friends and others around them that were brokenhearted. And here's what that says to me. That when your heart breaks and when my heart breaks, that Jesus' heart breaks along with it. He enters into that. Last week, Hebrews chapter 4, I shared a verse with you. It talks about how Jesus is able to empathize with us as our high priest. You know, he understood what it's like to be tempted as we are tempted, yet he was without sin. Jesus understands and relates to and, and, and is there to provide comfort because he is compassionate. That's, that's how he is. That's who he is. And so uh, if Jesus, of all people, can demonstrate that type of emotion, then surely you and I should be comfortable doing the same thing. We need to understand this is not a, a sign of weakness when we cry. And the other thing is, we need to understand, and because Jesus did it again, it, it, it can't be the case that it would be a sign of a lack of faith. You know, some people... Uh, have this mindset that if you really trust God, then you will never get sad about things, or if you do, you'll stuff it in and just kind of not allow it to come out, and that somehow to grieve or to cry or to be upset about something is somehow an indication of not trusting God, and that's not true. Uh, I love what uh, one um, mother said, and this is a, a book that I mentioned to you last week called For All Who Grieve, but was, she was quoted in here, Uh, And she said, I was eager to hear this series on grief because we've gone through loss. I've had two miscarriages and I have only shared this with those close to me. I felt that I had to hold things together and that if I didn't, I would not be a faithful Christian. So it was good to hear that it's okay to cry and to know what scripture says about our tears. I don't know if anybody's ever felt that way here. If you've ever felt like I've got to hold it together in order to be a good Christian. I said, it's not true. We can grieve, we can let the tears flow, and at the same time we put our hope in God, we put our faith in God. We do that all at the same time. And, and, and that's what we see happening here in Scripture, and I believe there's a reason why we have this book that God has given us that just repeatedly talks about dealing with, with grief and loss and letting the tears flow. Now, sometimes the tears don't come, right? Sometimes they don't for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it may just be um, if you've ever experienced some type of loss very suddenly, maybe you go into a state of shock and you almost kind of just become numb and it's like you lose all feeling and you're not sure how to respond and, and don't feel guilty about that. If that's where you are, that's kind of part of the process. But sometimes when the tears may not come at first, they might come 
at some point down the road. And when they start, they may not shut off for a while. That's just part of it. It, it may be for some that that's just not really the way that you grieve because people do grieve differently. I'm not saying that, that if you're not a crier that you're somehow you know, not dealing with things the way that you need to be. What I am saying is don't stuff it down or, or hold it back. If the tears need to come, then let them come. If that's just, just not what's in you, you don't have to try to manufacture that. I uh, just want to make sure that you're not holding it in. And again, guys, because most of the time we are the ones that struggle with this a little bit more, uh, my encouragement to you, especially to those of you that are married, is that if you're going through a time of pain and difficulty, don't try to hide that from your wife. Here's what we normally do as men, right? I got to be strong. I got to be tough. I got to, you know, I, I got to not let her see that I'm hurting because it's my job to be the strong one. Let me tell you something. What she needs to see is you hurting and processing and dealing with it in a healthy manner. Otherwise, there's a little bit of, you know, is he a robot? Is he human? Is it like what's going on here? It's, it's a healthy thing for those of us who are married to to. Let our wives know, I'm struggling and I'm hurting and I'm having difficulty with this as well. Jeremiah did. David did. Uh, there's certainly, Jesus did. There's certainly nothing that is not manly about, um, about letting our, our tears flow. But here's the second thing that I want to encourage you to do that I see in this, in, in this chapter as well. And that is, let the words flow. Let the tears flow, but let the words flow. In other words, talk about it. Don't, don't just stuff it down in there, but talk about it. Verse 12. Listen to what he says in verse 12. Back up just a few verses. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look around and see, is any suffering like my suffering that was inflicted on me that the Lord brought on me in the day of his fierce anger? You, you get this? He's saying, look, is there any suffering that is like my suffering. He's expressing the pain that he is feeling. And that is a necessary part of, of helping us grieve. As Macbeth said in Shakespeare's play, don't often quote Shakespeare in a sermon, but here it goes. Give sorrow words, the grief that does not speak whispers the o'er-fraught heart and bids it break. In other words, if we stuff it in here and we don't, have a way of getting it out, it's eventually going to make our hearts break. That's why last Sunday we talked a little bit about the importance of not grieving alone. We need to have people in our lives that we can talk to. And obviously that is not everybody in our life. That's probably a small circle. But people that we trust, people that we can open up to, that we know are going to be there to encourage us, for some of us, it's really hard to let somebody else do that for us, isn't it? Some of us are wired in such a way that I'm always the one helping everybody else. I'm always the one giving to everybody else. But sometimes we need to have the humility and, 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 and just the ability to say, you know what, I, I need to be on the receiving end for a little bit. I, I need to let somebody else minister to me. I need, and, and one of the ways that we do that is by opening up. And that's why biblical community is so important. That's why we harp on it all the time. Because you're not going to open up to somebody that you don't trust or that you don't share a deep relationship with. 
or probably shouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that. But we do need those people that we can do that with. And so uh, if you don't have that in your life, if you aren't surrounded by a biblical community and other believers that you can trust, make that priority number one so that you can develop those relationships and that, that people will be there when we need that. Um, sometimes it's hard, even with people that you trust, sometimes it's hard to verbalize what's inside, right? You, you, you ever had something that you were struggling so deeply with that you couldn't say it? Like you, you just couldn't get it out, right? It's like, I, I want to say this and somehow I just can't, I can't do it. I just can't get it out. And, and the first time you do, it is very difficult. I remember exactly where I was and, and what, what it was like the very first time I said, Autumn has cancer. And man, those words coming out of my mouth, and they didn't come out without tears, I'll tell you that. Um, it's still not pleasant. <laughs> I still don't like it. But after talking through some of these things, well, it gets a little bit easier. It, that's the way it works, right? The more we kind of start to talk about things, the more we, we share you know, what we're going through and how we're struggling, the, the little bit easier it gets to deal with that. That's an important part of that process. It gets a little bit easier to talk about, but for some, uh, that's hard to do. And for some of us, what we do is we want to just kind of stuff it inside. And let me tell you what's going to happen if you stuff it inside. Uh, either it's going to eat you up from the inside out, and I'm convinced that literally that can happen through diseases and other things. I mean, it can literally make you sick when you hold things in. Or you're going to stuff it for a certain period of time, and then you are going to explode and send shrapnel flying all around and damaging people all around you because it just comes out in one violent explosion. And that's not healthy either. I don't think we want either one of those. What we do want to do is to make sure that we are talking about it with people, finding people that we can trust and, and know that there are people that, that we can share with. Now, let's talk for just a minute about what, what if I'm on the other side of that? What if I am on the receiving end? What if I am the listener? You know, because that's important too, right? The Bible tells us to, to weep with those who weep. So there need to be times where we can sit down with those that are struggling. And, 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 and by the way, it's not just, you know, have a, a pity party, but sometimes we do need to weep with those who weep. We need to, to kind of enter into that pain and that difficulty and give opportunity for that. So how do we do that? And let me just kind of offer some suggestions uh, when it comes time to do that. The first one is this, is don't try to force, you know, anyone to talk about something they're struggling with. We said that a moment ago. Sometimes you just, you know, you, you have to get to that point and, and, and it can be very difficult and sometimes you feel like I just can't talk about it right now. And so that's a process, right, of working through that and getting to a point of being able to do that. And one of the best ways that we can do that is simply to, to, to be there, and to say, when you're ready, I mean, this is, a, this is a great phrase to use if you've got somebody that's struggling. When you're ready to talk about it, just know I'm ready to listen. It's, it's not pressure. Don't go and say, hey, look, man, you've got to talk about this. You're stuffing it in. This is not healthy. It's not the time to give somebody a lecture about it, okay? It's time to say, I'm here for you when you need somebody to talk to. And by the way, I'm speaking to myself on these things as I'm going through these. Second one, don't discount how a person is feeling. Uh, Jeremiah here in the book of Lamentations is expressing this pain that, he, he, that he's feeling toward God. 
Um, it, it's easy sometimes for us to discount that or to say, and here's the reality. Somebody who is going through a deep level of pain has uh, probably an elevated view of just how severe that pain is, right? Because that's their pain. They're the one going through it. And so from an objective standpoint, you might look at that and say, in your mind, you're kind of overreacting here. Please don't say that or indicate that you even think that, okay? But, but allow that individual, whatever it is that they're feeling, allow them to express that and, you know, don't discount it. And, and certainly don't, you know, do what sometimes I want to do, and that is if somebody's struggling with something, say, well, let me tell you why your feelings are wrong. You ought to feel this way. <laughs> How helpful is that? <laughs> Not very, right? Third thing, don't try to fix the problem. Again, I'm speaking to myself here because I'm a man and this is what we tend to do sometimes. You're struggling with something, you're feeling pain. Let me tell you how you, good news for you is I can fix you. <laughs> probably not, right? And it's probably not a good idea to try. I think about the book of Job. I've been reading a little bit back through Job again recently. And when Job was struggling, and, and by the way, um, Scripture says that Job was a righteous man. That, that Job, it wasn't that something was out of alignment in his life. And that's why he went through the times of loss and pain that he went through. Uh, he actually was a righteous man before God. Do you remember what his friends, and I put that in air quotes there, what his friends had to say when they came and talked with Job? They more or less began to say, hey, why don't you just tell us what you really did? Why don't you get honest with God? Because we know that God only punishes those who have done wrong. And so they're trying to fix his problem and trying to tell him what he needed to do. Um, not a good idea. Last suggestion for you is this, to be encouraging. Just, just be encouraging. When somebody's going through a difficult time, uh, tell them you love them. Pray with them. Pray for them. Share scripture with them. You know, send them a text and say, hey, I was thinking of you this morning. This scripture came to mind. Um, give them space, you know, to be able to, to talk freely without judgment or anything else about what they're going through. But at the same time, just be encouraging. You know, that doesn't mean that, it, that you have to ignore the fact that this is really an awful time right now and it's painful and it's difficult. Uh, you don't have to ignore that. But at the same time, we can offer hope, right? We can offer some, some encouragement in the midst of that. Uh, for heaven's sake, do not enter into uh, the, the fray by telling your own horror stories. You know, and this is, this is how awful it was for me. And let's just go down this path of, you know, who can trump the other of how bad your life is. That's not helpful, uh, but be encouraging. So let the words flow uh, with one another. But then in verse 20, verse 20 says, so, so in verse 12, you see he's kind of speaking to other people. But in verse 20, the audience shifts. Verse 20 says, See, Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Outside the sword bereaves, inside there is only death. So he turns his conversation toward God himself. And when we say, let the words flow, that is even more important that we let the words flow in our communication with God. In other words, pray. And as we're praying about it, the thing that really strikes me about this verse when he's like, how, see, Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within. This is raw. It's very real. It's not holding back. It's not pretending that everything is okay. Uh, if, if 
you know, your, your habit or your background or your, your way of thinking about prayer is that prayer ought to be this really high lofty language and filled with a bunch of these and thous and those kinds of things, you're probably not going to be able to really pour your heart out to God like you need to. Sometimes prayer needs to be raw and, and it needs to be just, you know, here's where I'm at, God. And if you need words for that or you need some help, like how do I express some of that, let me encourage you to spend some time in the book of Psalms. Because so many of the psalms are just that. I mean, they are just, you know, pouring out, you know, some of it's just praise and all that. But some of it's, hey, here's where I'm struggling. This is what I'm, what I'm feeling and what I'm dealing with. And uh, it's so clear to me from Scripture that it is okay, and I would even argue healthy, for us to just be totally transparent in our prayers with what we're feeling and how we're, how we're struggling and whatever pain we may be going through. So let the tears flow. Let the talk flow, both with other people and with God, and then I'll just spend a moment or two on this one, but it's really the most important one that, that's just themed through all of it. It's also let God's comfort flow. In other words, re- receive from God the comfort that He wants to give. Matthew 5, verse 4. Jesus, in His Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, talked about how those who mourn, blessed are those who mourn. Why? What does it say? For they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know what that tells me is that when we go through a time of of mourning or a time of difficulty or pain, that puts us in a place where we are ready to receive what God wants to give. We're ready to receive the comfort that God wants us to have. And the flip side to that is there are certain elements, as we talked about last week, there are certain elements of who God is in a relationship with God that we cannot experience apart from pain and difficulty. You can't receive God's comfort unless you are going through a time of mourning or or pain. And so Jesus reminded us of that. He reminded that we are actually blessed when we mourn because God will comfort us. You know, one day we won't mourn anymore. And that's part of our comfort, isn't it? Is that reminder that the pain that we experience right now in this life, it's temporary. And and by the way, it doesn't have to dominate the life of a believer. We experience a whole lot of joy. Jesus said, I've come that that you may have life and have it abundantly. So it's not that life is just miserable all the time, but the reality is that we go through pain and difficulty. He's there with us, but one day that pain and difficulty is going to be gone. Revelation 21 verse 4 talks about that. It talks about how one day he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Isn't Isn't that a beautiful image? That one day God himself will wipe the tears away from our eyes and it'll be no more. It says there'll be no more crying, no more death, no more mourning, no more pain. All those things are gone one day. But until that day, until that day, God continues to be our comforter. He continues to to provide us comfort now. And so when we struggle, He is there. One last thing I want to just leave you with as we're talking about receiving God's comfort. One of the things that we can do Uh, to put ourselves in a place where we receive God's comfort best is to make sure um, that that we are focused on the good things that God is doing in our lives, even in the midst of the struggles. Last verse I want to share with you today is Psalm 103, verse 2. And in that verse, and some of you may know, this is kind of our theme verse. If you've been praying for autumn, we encourage you to pray Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Uh, But verse 2 talks about remembering His benefits. Remembering His benefits. 
Even when we're going through difficult times, it is so important for us to remember God's benefits and to never forget that even while I'm hurting, God's doing something. God is doing a work here. God is still good. God is still in control. God is still for me and not against me, even though it may feel sometimes like God has turned against me. I need to remember his benefits because that will help me maintain perspective uh, that God is in control and I can trust him. Let's pray. God, today we do trust you and we do um, just rest um, in knowing that, that, that you are our comforter. But Lord, pain is, is real. Struggles in this life are real. And my prayer is that you would help us to process those things appropriately. And I thank you, Lord, for giving us this book. Um, I thank you for the reminder that it's okay to cry, that we need to, to get things out, that we need to, to share those with others. We need to talk to you about it. And God, you'll comfort us when, when we do. So thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.